Hello, welcome to the Story Bros Podcast. Yay. Yes! <laughs> good job, buddy. You can go now. Have a good day. <laughs> Dismissed. Get out. <laughs> well, I can't do it any better than that, so I'm not even going to try. But I guess I'll just say, hey, welcome, everybody. But if you were wondering who that voice on the other end was, that was my son, Jack Skywalker. Little Jack Skywalker. Little Jack Skywalker. Not so little anymore. I mean, you heard him. He's not a little kid anymore. He's he's a beanstalk. He's grown really fast. But Little Jack Skywalker introduced episode 45 of the Star Bros podcast. That's right. Let let Qui-Gon's be bygones. Let Qui-Gon's be bygones. (laughs) And I think, wasn't it a couple weeks ago that Jack asked us when we're finally going to be done doing the podcast? I think he did. (laughs) I was like, why? Do you want me to be done? Like, what are you talking about? But he's also the kid that while I was in the car with him the other day, he goes, hey, dad, can you put on your first episode again? Really? Yeah, he asked if he, if I could put on... Literally, he, he requested the first one, which is when we talked about The Rise of Skywalker. I went, what is it about that one you really like, dude? Okay, sure, I'll put this one on. Why not? <laughs> and what what was it that he liked? I don't know. He just wanted to hear it. Interesting. You know what was happening? I picked him up from school. We were going to a dentist appointment, and uh, I was listening to a podcast, uh, a Red Wings podcast. Um, that's the other love of my life. I love you too, sweetie. Um, I was going to say, you better start backpedaling. <laughs> Rewind. Do over. Is there a pause button on this thing? Um, no. So we, I was listening to that, and that's what made him say it. He was just like, hey, if you're listening to a different podcast, why don't we listen to yours, Dad? It had nothing to do with the dentist. Nothing to do with the dentist. Of like, I enjoy the anesthetic effect of listening to the Star Bros. <laughs> just knock me out. KMN. <laughs> which, which, by the way, if you are a new listener, and, and, and I'll introduce you very quickly. I'm, I'm here with my bro host, Ben Skywalker. I'm here with my bro host, Jan Solo. Glad we got that out of the way. Let's move on. <laughs> and, and if you're brand new to the podcast, I think one of our hallmarks is that... Um, we try to be, uh, we try to keep it clean because, as you heard at the very beginning, we have friends with kids who listen to the show. Yep. Um, and we try to just, you know, keep it pretty relaxing. Life is sort of stressful out there in the yeah. world. It's very stressful right now out there in the world. It's stressful enough. And gosh, we just all need something to calm us down and help us feel a little bit better about life. Isn't that right? I, I think so. And yeah. so th- this podcast is something that we like to do in uh, a way to sort of offer a little bit of calm into the world. Yes. Um, so we like to talk about all different types of... Why are you laughing? <laughs> I thought you were about to say, so you're welcome. <laughs> very modestly. <laughs> that too. You're very welcome. Um, and so we love to talk about all types of Star Wars stuff, but uh, we're, we're, we're not typically getting very worked up about it. We, we're just no. fans. Yes, just fans here having a great conversation about some Star Wars. In fact, we are going to have a great conversation tonight. Mm. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and first of all, before we get into it all, we just need to say, you're welcome. Because we're going to talk about Qui-Gon. And we told you at the last episode we were going to talk about Qui-Gon. And we called Kathleen Kennedy and we're like, you know what would be really helpful for our uh, podcast, Kathleen, is... If you dropped a trailer for us that, you know, had to do with this show I hear you're making called Obi-Wan, because it will tie really well into our episode. And she did. So just to clarify, um, so we don't get uh, sued by anybody. (laughs) This is Kathleen with a C who lives in a trailer park. (laughs) And so the whole thing about a Kenobi trailer dropping, that happened to be a coincidence. 
Well, just to then who did I pay for all that? I don't know. Oh, cr- Kathleen with a C <laughs> is made off with all your money. <laughs> well, I'm going to go and uh, knock on that trailer door and get it back. Do you remember where? I don't know. But very, very... Maybe she lives next to Randy. Maybe she lives next to Randy, and that's yeah. a whole nother story. A lot of inside jokes that we just threw out there. We hope yep. you're not brand new and going, what the heck are you guys talking about? But but if you are, we're bringing you along for the ride. Yes. But- Welcome to the craziness of this show. Yeah. But the, the buildup to this Kenobi trailer was significant, meaning yeah. I think people have pointed to specific events and said, ah, it's going to happen today. Like, it's going to drop on Super Bowl Sunday. I bet you anything. And it didn't. And it didn't. Yeah. And so people have been waiting with wild anticipation for this. But we, we were also discussing about how they didn't necessarily need to drop it in some high-profile place. They don't need to... For example, they don't need to buy an Obi-Wan billboard in Times Square. No. People are going to show up and watch this. Does anyone do that anymore? Um, yeah. Like, do you see in Times Square, like, a bunch of, I mean, I haven't been there forever, but I remember, like, that used to be the big thing, remember? It's like, you got a big advertisement there, and do they do that anymore, though? They, they and I'm thinking about, like, the pandemic, like... Does it get the foot traffic or I, I don't know. I haven't been in New York for forever. <laughs> so it's funny you say that. I haven't been there since before the pandemic and I'm, I'm talking like I know what's in Times Square right now. But, I know. Um, I, I think they still do. I, I think it, I think it's kind of back now. I, I don't know. But like the point is they didn't need to do that for Obi-Wan. Yeah. Because people were going to show up regardless of the advertising that they did. Because everybody knows who Obi-Wan is. It's a household name at this point. Right. And that's right. It's a... What they showed in Moon Knight, and so people don't usually know who that is. There, that's the the type of character that's good to show at a, a Super Bowl, where you're going to get a lot of eyes and attention on it. Yeah, but they don't need to do that for Obi Wan. And then, so, uh, so it's a, since our last episode, the teaser trailer drops in the middle of the day on a weekday or something. Yeah, we all scramble and stop what we're doing. Dude, and... My wife texted me while yeah. I was at work, and I was like, "Did you see the trailer yet?" I'm like. And then I texted you guys. I'm like, why is it that my wife is telling us about a Star Wars trailer dropping? <laughs> and you were like, I didn't know it dropped. <laughs> I, I had no idea. And then I was really thankful. One of my coworkers sent me a chat because she knew that I would be excited about it. And she was excited about it. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it was a sort of drop everything moment. And, yeah. Um, and then we got into it. By the way, are we are we transitioning into our first segment? I think we are. We yeah. pretty much already got there. So let's get there now. What is that one called? Um, let me think about it. News from across the galaxy. I'm more laughing at like the fact that you delayed it. I was like, are you going to do it? And then you did it. Just waiting for a while. Yeah. Then that, that was a long drop. That was like all the way down the well. That was like a 50-foot drop right there. That was that was painful. What does Poor that have to do with the news anyway? I don't know. Where did you even come up with this? I just thought it, it sounded um, exciting. It, I yeah, know. I'm excited by it. I'm excited to hear it every time. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. One small piece of news we need to get out of the way, and then we're going to pretty much gush about the Obi-Wan trailer. And that will lead right into our topic of Qui-Gon. Yes. What's that one piece of news before we go into the trailer? Well, we... we um, So, a little bit of inside baseball. Behind-the-scenes Star Wars magic for you. Yeah. Ben and I sometimes compare our notes about the different news items that we found <laughs> so that we can do like a little bit of a back-and-forth of like, hey, what did you find this week? What did you find this week? Um, we found the same thing. 
The exact same thing. The exact same thing. And if we would have recorded on Wednesday night like we normally do, yeah, we wouldn't have seen it. We wouldn't have. Because it dropped, like, right now. Yep. And what is it? Coming to you. Breaking news on the stuff. No. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd, who plays Doc Brown. <laughs> Hold your phones, guys. Like, just sit down. Are you sitting down for a second? Good. Say it again. Christopher Lloyd, who plays... You mean that Back to the Future crazy guy? Yep, who plays the guy who invents the DeLorean time machine in Back to the Future. Angels in the Outfield? I guess. Clue? I guess that so. That guy? He's kind of a, a, a not-so-good guy in Clue, by the way. Okay, I'm, I'm going to have to go watch that. Um, but a word that I won't say because maybe Heather's child is listening. Okay, that's a good call. <laughs> and other people's children. And other people's children. Um, My children, apparently. Yes. Um, but he's going to make a cameo of some kind in Mandalorian season three, which is filming now, filming now in Southern California. Yep. And we don't, we don't know anything else about his character except for, they did say it's more of a cameo than he, him being a main character in the series. How amazing would it have been if he just showed up in the DeLorean? Like a, like a full on, like in universe crossover. Yeah, exactly. Like he just went back. I guess to the past, it would be like blast from the past more, which is not the same franchise. It would franchise. It (laughs) it would be he would go um, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away in a DeLorean. The far away part, I think, is the hard part. You know, the DeLorean can do the time part, right? So it would skip across the galaxy, and he would pull up in who who knows the middle of a, a a gun battle or something. And on Tatooine, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe Coruscant, and go, Great Scott, <laughs> <laughs> and instantly get shot dead by a bunch of stormtroopers. Yep, and then the Jawas pick apart the DeLorean, <laughs> the DeLorean, <laughs> and turn it into scrap. <laughs> wow, good thing we are not writers for this new TV, this no new show. We're not Favreloni. I feel like Favreau, who clearly <laughs> listens to this podcast, is probably on set um, listening to this, ripping up his his, <laughs> his script going, Start over! Start over! <laughs> I've got a new idea, guys. <laughs> i got an idea. The bro said so. Yeah. We should just call an episode that. The bro said so. The bro said so. <laughs> I love that. Okay. We're having fun here, obviously, because... We have no idea what Christopher Lloyd is going to do in any kind of Star Wars It it could just be a voice. It could just be a voice. Maybe he's a droid. That's a good point. But if he's not there, if I don't see his face, that will be a little bit disappointing. Because he's just... More importantly, it's not even the face. It's the hair. It's the hair. Keep the hair. (laughs) Yeah. You've got to do something with that, you know, Einstein look of his in Star Wars. You know what I think of, though? Whenever I see somebody is making a cameo in Star Wars... I think about the fact that their, like, uh, Comic-Con booth cred goes up. Mm. Like, you're, when, like, when you see celebrities and they have the banner behind them and they have, like, their name splashed across it, a big picture, so you can see from far away, oh, there's so-and-so's booth. And then sometimes they have, like, a couple in-character pictures. I, I could see them, I, I could see Christopher Lloyd's booth getting moved closer to the front. Like... <laughs> He's Back to the Future and The Mandalorian, and he was in Clue, and he was in, what's that other movie you mentioned, Dances with Wolves? Wasn't Angels in the Outfield, wasn't that? Mighty Ducks? No, not Mighty Ducks. Red Dawn? 
No, it's Rocky Seven. <laughs> Gremlins. Uh, what's it? Fast and the Furious Twelve. Yes, that's what he's going to be in next. Um, although I saw that they're going to stop making those because gas is too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Burn. Burning rubber. Uh, laugh, but then cry. <laughs> that's so true. Um, let's move on to another topic. Yeah, let, we, let, let's that talk was fun to milk. We, we had fun with that. No. We, we should we should dig into the actual news. Let let's dig into the one piece of news, <laughs> which turned into a lot of other pieces of news, which we will get to. But we got ourselves a trailer mm-hmm. for Obi Wan, and we're so excited. I mean, I was excited. Oh, I yeah. watched this thing, and I just geeked. Yeah, like. There he is. Ewan McGregor is back. And it took him about, what, 30 seconds for them to confirm something we had already said was going to happen. What was that? Young Luke. Oh, yeah. We said that. Yeah. We talked about it. We were like, Young Luke, he's coming, right? You cannot do this episode without him. And there they proved, like, he's there. He's watching over them, um, which was really cool to see. So, yeah, we got the first confirmation, Young Luke. That was the moment where I just went, like, this is going to be special. But I know it. The, the, one of the things that really jumped out at me, and I don't know if you got this vibe, too, is it's Young Luke acting like young Anakin. Yeah. Sort of doing the pod racing thing. Yeah. And, and kind of sitting similarly to the way Anakin sat when he was little. I didn't get Anakin flashbacks, but I definitely got, like, like... He had visions of shooting womp rats and, mm. you know, flying an X-Wing or whatever. Like, he obviously wanted to get off that rock and be more than just yep. a moisture farmer. Yep. I got that vibe really strong in just a split second of him looking through those binoculars at him, which was really cool. The binoculars were pretty cool. The binoculars were cool. Just seeing the, the homestead again. Um, you know, maybe we'll get some, uh, you know, fixer will be in this. Who knows what we're going to get. Um, it'll be really cool and special. Just knowing that he's going to be there now, your mind starts running wild. And, and do you think, did they do anything to Ewan in terms of making him look like the appropriate age? I don't want to say just making him look older. Like he looks like it, it looks perfect. I think. Yeah. Um, but I think that just might be him. I think just enough time he's, has passed. He's, uh, he's aged well. Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> That's yeah. That's McGregor we're talking about. Yeah, he's a movie star. Yeah. saw him in that Expedia commercial that's what you did get. When you, you saw the Expedia commercial during the Super Bowl, and you're like, it's Ewan McGregor. Are we going to see him in the true? I forgot about that. What a fake out. Yeah, that was. Um, the only reason I think that Expedia commercial is because they're showing it like crazy on hockey games right now. So, oh. Um, it, it was a good commercial. But yeah, I was like, is this a segue into the trailer? But anyway, we've already gone there. Um, he did look a little bit older. He looked, he looked like a good middle between Alec Guinness and... and uh, his former self, his younger self. So I, I, I felt like it was pretty genuine of what I expect him to look like now. I, I thought so too. But it, so this takes place 10 years after Re- Revenge of the Sith. 10 years after and, and I guess nine years before New Hope. Right. So the, this, is, this is the new bridge. This is the new connective tissue between the prequels and um, the original trilogy. Um, so it's... Uh, 10-ish movie years, but in reality, what is it since Revenge of the Sith? 16, 17 years? Longer. For which movie? From, from 
today in 2022 to when Revenge of the Sith came out? Oh, gosh. Uh, Revenge of the Sith came out in 2005, so you do the math. Actually, let's get Jack back in here. He can do the math. He's he good he can math. do it really quickly. So, actually, so more actual 17? calendar time has passed in real life. Yeah. He, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is interesting. But then again, remember, Tatooine ages you a little bit differently. They've got that extra sun. Yes. It, yeah. It's got that extra sun, but it, have you seen, like, 19 years on, on uh, Tatooine, this is what yes. it does to you, and it shows... Uh, Uncle it shows Owen Lars. Yes. And and then it shows uh Obi-Wan and mm-hmm. it shows like how much they age. <laughs> I think it's I think it's that extra sun. It's it that extra takes sun. A toll. I like that that theory. Um no, but uh I wanted to ask you about the, the first lines that we get from Obi-Wan in this trailer. He says, The fight is done. We lost. Yeah. Is there any is there anything that we can take from that? In terms of where this series could go, where is his head? It's been ten years. Like, where is he mentally? I would imagine not a good place mm-hmm. because of how long he's been in isolation. Um, he, he might be at the point where uh, Owen Lars already thinks he's a crazy old hermit, or is starting to think of that, and not letting him, you know, oversee Luke the way that he was supposed to. I, I'm wondering if he's in a good place. I don't think so. I, I think that he was playing the role of the crazy old hermit in order to keep an eye on Luke. And I think he's probably actually become the crazy old hermit. Yeah. It's just been too much time on his own. Um, there's a little snippet of him kind of like riding along and like what looks like the, the bus or something on Tatooine. And he just kind of looks defeated and run down yeah. and wiped out and just kind of uninspired, like unenergetic. And yeah, I think the years have just kind of beaten him down. I, I like that. Um, it's like he's accepted that they've lost, and and he's he's just he's not trying to give up. Obviously, and one of the things I love when I'm skipping to the end now is where uh, the words "hope survives" flash across the screen, and you see Obi Wan again. You don't see him do much in this. Like mm-hmm. this, this trailer is not about Obi Wan. This this trailer is about what we'll get to in a second and setting the plot up. But the moments that you see Obi Wan. He's very calm, collected, quiet, like just going about his business type thing, not doing much. He's he's just watching. He's he's yeah. not participating in life as much. He's riding. He he's riding a, a what looks like a camel. I don't know what it is. I didn't get yeah. a close up look. Um, he's yeah. You, you mentioned the 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 um, conveyor belt thing that he's on with yeah. all the the people. Um, yeah, he just he's not doing much. But the fact that it flashes and says like hope survives that that phrase like carries something now and um i guess when i look at obi-wan i think yeah it's going to be how does he allow the hope to survive in himself mm-hmm. after everything that he's gone through because he's at the beginning saying like he's accepted that we've lost so this is going to be a bit of a battle i think for him to let the hope survive in himself yeah i pardon me i think that there's just this little shred that's left there and maybe it's in the form of luke maybe it's him um kind of drawing strength from luke and keeping an eye on him and maybe that's all he's got it's going to keep him going it's going to be his fuel maybe that's enough to keep him going but yeah i I thought that was like a nice counterpoint because in the beginning it's like gosh this feels hopeless yeah but then at the end there we get that little that little dose of like no there's something here that's going to be maybe a little bit more uplifting than that yeah I loved it. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was a little bit dark, a little bit dreary, but it sort of matches the vibe of what you would expect. 
Yeah, so I mentioned, I totally agree with you. I mentioned the first thing that got me really geeking out. The second thing followed very shortly after that. What's that? The music. Mm. The music of this trailer and all the callbacks to all the anthems and all the great themes and, that we've heard throughout uh, Star Wars. And it has to start with, I mean, one of the best, Duel of the Fates. One, one of the best. A slightly different rendition is what it felt like. So A little bit different, but didn't expect to hear any version of it. No, this. me neither. I, I mean, started, part of me started going, why? Why, first of all? Is there some Darth Maul tie-in? I don't know. Like That's the, the first thought I had. Um, but I think part of it, too, was to introduce the villains. Like that That's kind of like a, a bit of a you know villainous mm-hmm. theme. It, and that's what it does. It introduces the Inquisitors. I think that I think the theme is uh, the conflict of the hero meets the villain head on, and there's no running away from it. Like they're going to clash head on. Yeah. Um, so that that to me, uh, I thought that that was kind of like really nicely woven in. But um, I, I'm I was really intrigued in the little bits and pieces that they gave you about the villains and the sense that because so the vibe that I'm getting is the Inquisitors are these Jedi hunters who are on Tatooine, who are poking around on Tatooine and looking for something. Maybe they don't know what exactly, or maybe they do. Maybe they have a really clear picture of what it is that they're hunting. Um, but they're they're there. And yep. there are also a couple of shots of like um like some some cool neon lights and stuff. And some people are saying like, all right, maybe maybe there's also part of this that's in the underworld on Coruscant. Too, which mm, could be really is that what that was okay. Um, it could be, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I liked the introduction of like what looked like what the Inquisitor headquarters were. Yeah, so a little, a little bit of background for those who might not know what it is that they just saw because the Inquisitors were well, the Grand Inquisitor, who is the main villain that we're introduced to, uh, was first shown to us in Rebels, mm-hmm. and uh, and there is. It's really where we start diving into who these Inquisitors are. So, um, now, do you need to go see Rebels before you see this? No. They will do an exposition. They will show you, they will tell you who these characters are, just in case you didn't see Rebels or anything else. Don't worry. But, I would say, if you haven't seen it, it's worth it. It's great stuff. Um, But the Grand Inquisitor uh, is a, a, a character, essentially all the Inquisitors are former Jedi that Darth Vader was able to turn to the dark side. Uh, and their job is to hunt former Jedi across the galaxy. And he says it, and it's really interesting, the, the dialogue that um, that the Grand Inquisitor has here at the beginning. Uh, so what we saw was Fortress Inquisitorius, um, which was like this big underwater, huh? uh, like fortress, I guess. What's it called? Uh, Fortress Inquisitorius. Now you're making me question life right now. Stop it. <laughs> Someone's like Googling me like, that's not right. I hope not. Um, is that how people talk when they correct you? Yes. That, okay. That's that's how I talk when I send emails. When I'm, I'm <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> now every time I get an email from you, that's all the voice I'm going to hear. That's the voice in the back of my head. Um, Fortresius Inquisitorius? Inquisitorius. Mm-hmm. Fortress Inquisitorius. Uh, mm-hmm. Stop making me question life, man. Um, yeah, but okay. Let me get to the lines that he says now. So, uh, 
I love the first line. He's like, the key to hunting Jedi is patience. Okay, so we first of all, that's a really cool line. Yeah. Like, he's ruthless. He's got patience, right? That and it, there's a line from a Disney movie that says something similar. Anyway, um, but this is going to be all about hunting Jedi mm-hmm. and hunting Obi-Wan specifically. And then he says, Jedi cannot help what they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. So... Is, has Obi-Wan done some things in, try, in being in solitude that eventually, like, they're trying to sniff out? Mm. So, um, yeah, that, that's where I think this is going, is it's just going to be them hunting Jedi. I mean, we saw a little bit of that in Fallen Order, the video game, which was fantastic. It was, that's exactly what happens um, there, too. So it's just more about them hunting Obi-Wan now. And, and what is it that they do to sort of set the trap? It's, it's usually something like they um, force them to act on their compassion. Exactly. And so it makes you wonder what type of awful stuff they're going to get up to on Tatooine yep. that will smoke Obi-Wan out of his hiding in his, in his hut somewhere across so, the Red Sea. Yeah, exactly. So Fallen Order, uh, one of the first uh, areas that you play in, um, the Inquisitors show up to where Cal Kestis is and they're about to kill a bunch of innocent people to try to smoke out the Jedi because they wouldn't allow that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's exactly what happens. And they're called uh, brothers and sisters and they're given numbers. So that was, I think, the second sister that was in that uh, uh, in the video game with them. Um, but all those different Inquisitors you saw were like, I think the fifth brother or, or third sister mm. and things like that. So those are who all the other inquisitors are. But then the grand inquisitor is like the leader of them all. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about that for a second. There was okay. a lot of talk on the Twitters and everyone up in a Twitter. <laughs> uh, everyone went all the Twitter with the look of the grand. Inquisitor. Oh my gosh. Right? I, I didn't know where you're going to go with that. And then as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, of course. That thing. Yeah. So they compared it to the animation. And they were like, well, that's not what he looks like. Some compared it to uh, what we get an introduction to, uh, introduction to this species in um, Revenge of the Sith. And they're like, well, he doesn't look like that either. And I don't know. I just was like, come on, people. Can we just all get along and enjoy something for a change? <laughs> I know. I just want to say, like, that's what he looks like in this show. Well, there are all those great uh, memes people put together of like, if they looked in real life, what they looked like in animation, and then you saw them was of Dooku, mm. and his face is like stretched out. Yes, right. Because the cartoon kind of like cartoony makes things very cartoony and like exaggerated and caricatures. Like, they're not going to make that exactly in. Practical effects. I think the term is cartoonicates. Cartoonicate? No, I don't know. That's a great word. It's a great word, though. I'm going to use it. That sounds like an Excel function. <laughs> Concatenate. That's the Excel function. Cartoonicate this column of information and then just, just turn it into Count Dooku faces from Clone Wars. <laughs> Cartoonicate. Cartoonicate. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Gentlemen, gentlemen, I'm just making up words left and right. Gentlemen, um, <laughs> gentlemen, go look this up in the Webster's dictionary. It'll be there in about ten years. Yep, cartoon Kate. Um, but yeah, people were upset about that for whatever reason because people like to get upset about this stuff. <laughs> people proposed solutions. People were like, "No, look, I fixed it," and then they photoshopped something in that looked absolutely ridiculous. And we were like, "No, no, you didn't. No, you made it worse. You, you've made you've made it worse, and you've wasted a day of your life sitting in front of the computer making it worse." <laughs> um, 
So yes, people were, people were upset about that. But hey, wouldn't be our fandom if people did not come out right at the teaser trailer complaining about something. Oh yeah, they always do. It's like every episode that dropped of the Mandalorian or of Obi or uh, sorry, uh, Boba Fett. Every one they found something, mm-hmm. and at some point you just gotta turn the twitters off. And, and I I remember. Um, we had a group chat going with our bro host Chris Ryan's um, at Chris Ryan's on Twitter, um, and I said something to the effect of I, I think it was during the Mandalorian, maybe when when the jeans guy scandal happened. Oh yeah, and I said something to the effect of, "What are people just watching this frame by frame?" And he was like, <laughs> "Yes, <laughs> yes, they are, Jan. That's what these people do. Uh-huh. That's what we do." He's like, "That's what I do." Chris like, is like, yeah. "That's what I do. What do you do?" Right. I like, I, I, I have to own that for myself. Like, yes, that, that's what we in this fandom do. Yes. Um, but I, I, I think something that's a little bit different about us is like, usually we're like, okay, we're just, we're gonna roll with this. We, I'm just gonna enjoy it and take it for what it's worth. And and then later on, like, if if I want to pick it apart, maybe I'll pick something. But I'm, I'm, I'm probably still gonna enjoy it. Probably still gonna enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and so here's here's what I'm wondering about the Kenobi version of the Star Wars universe. What what kind of like totally new things are they gonna do? Because one of the criticisms that Star Wars fans always have is that doesn't look like Star Wars. And then somebody does something new and they go, but that's not Star Wars, you know. I... So, but I think they're probably gonna do something that's totally new to us yeah probably I, I wonder what that thing is going to be I mean they might call up again the lightsaber of uh, of the Grand Inquisitor which spins in a way that doesn't really compute <laughs> like it still doesn't for me I think people just went okay that works I mean it looks cool yeah um, but like in Rebels like at one point some of the Inquisitors how, were yeah how would you describe it what how would you describe it well I just said it like they were flying with their lightsabers cool yeah I'm in. <laughs> Let's just wait and see what happens. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. All right. So this was this is my segue question to more to the story. Oh, yeah. Um, the big question is, will we get Qui-Gon? Mm-hmm. In what form will we get Qui-Gon? Mm-hmm. Uh, for reasons we might talk about later, you should not come back as a forest ghost. We'll get into that later. But will he come back in some way, shape, or form? Some people were saying, well, Liam Neeson isn't really on good terms with Disney right now, so probably not. I don't know. I think they can put stuff behind them for a good story sometimes, so who knows? Maybe they do something with getting his voice in there. What do you think? I I think in some way, because I feel like Qui-Gon is such a big part of who Obi-Wan is. Yes. And so to kind of cut him out or ignore him... And look, he doesn't. It doesn't have to be Liam Neeson walks on set, and is in four episodes or something. It could be. Um, I think if you you can you can overdo it. You can really yeah. overdo it if he's in a lot of episodes. Well, yeah. they probably won't. I, I don't think it'll be a lot. I think it'll be lighter touch. But I think he's going to show up in some way, whether it is in the form of Obi Wan telling stories about Qui Gon or. Kind of like calling upon lessons, like what will Qui-Gon do in this situation? How should I handle this? Um, or maybe some type of flashbacky thing or like his voice or something. But I, he, he's yeah. going to show up in some way. What do you think? I, I think we got to get a voice, a voiceover at some point. And it's going to be short. It's going to be small. And it's going to be purposeful. But like one of the things that we got at the t- teased to us at the end of Revenge of the Sith was 
how Force Ghost basically came to be, why we didn't see him all this time, and then, you know, let's explain real quick how it happened, how mm-hmm. Obi-Wan was able to become a Force Ghost, and it was because of Qui-Gon. Yeah. You know, Qui-Gon had made his way uh, back through the Force. Um, so we got to get an explanation, and we I think it would be great to see. So it, it would be... Um, it would be a miss if they couldn't do it, in my opinion. Yeah. But then again, if there are some explanations that, well, he learned that at year five. Okay, I might be able to accept that. Yeah. Then, you know, give me the prequel to Obi- the Obi-Wan series later on. <laughs> but, because I would love to see that. Yeah. Um, but I will accept whatever happens, but I, I hope that there is. And if he's not, I'm fine with it too. Yeah. It won't ruin it for me or anything. Yeah. But anyway, how's that for a segue? That's a good segue. Should, should we tell the folks what this uh, segment of the show is called? That's your job on this one. Oh. <clears throat> More to the story. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, mine's not as exciting. Thanks for pointing that out. Okay. Qui-Gon. Yeah. Let's talk about probably one of the best characters in Star Wars. Now, you'll remember... But let, let me stop you right there. <laughs> Already? <laughs> yes. You're not even give me give me a second to. Okay, fine. Go ahead. <laughs> because because you said something that I think um is kind of understated and is really true. Like this is a beloved character. Yes. If if like what we see a lot of stuff in terms of like cosplay and whatever, you don't see a lot of people doing Qui Gon. And... <laughs> Liam Neeson's a very unique look that not many people can pull off. And he's super <laughs> tall and all that stuff, and so like it's it's harder to do. But um But you ask people about which Jedi's they they, they really like and, and what characters they really adore, and if they stop and they think about it, a lot of people say Qui-Gon. A lot of people mm-hmm. really, really love this character. And there's a lot of reasons why, and we should definitely get into why, but uh I, I think people grew a well, deeper let, let me stop right there. What's that? Let me stop you right there. You're doing it right before I get to my next thing every time. <laughs> Man. I actually, I actually, I don't have anything to say. I know. You're just doing you. this to mess with me now. I know <laughs> you. This is every episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those who have been listening from the beginning know you. Carry on. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. You're welcome. You're just making me have a lot of fun. Um, I was going to say, Dave Filoni. Have you heard of him? You know the guy? I, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah you he's have. He's from Pennsylvania. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you remember, like, what? the Whenever that Mandalorian season one um, behind-the-scene footage where they did the roundtable and he had this big 10-minute spiel about, yes. like, the importance of Qui-Gon? Yeah. I mean, that brought it to a whole other level. That's a good point. Right. And I think we've talked about that speech, so we don't need to, to go through that again. But, I mean, he painted why he was such a critical character. One of the reasons for me, though, that I love him so much is... It's, it's not just because he's wise. It's because I feel like he embodies what the Jedi were always meant to be. And so he was just born at the wrong time. Mm. And then in a way, he was, you know, we'll talk about that. Like he was, I think, the, the savior in the end of the entire Skywalker saga. Yeah. If you think about it. Um, what I mean is... He really embodies what they are. He's a servant. He sees them as a servant. He doesn't get involved with the politics. By that point, the the politics have overrun the Jedi. Mm. And they thought so politically. The Grand Council, it was viewed as this, like, you you do everything to build towards that. And and they talk about, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll get to this now, like, I think there are three 
critical critical moments in his life, one of them was rejecting the spot to be on the order. Like doing that was unheard of. Why would you do that? That's the pinnacle of achievement. In America, we're so big on careers. Like, why would you ever say no to career development, right? And he says, no, I'd rather be the servant. I'd rather focus all my energy on learning the secrets of the force and focusing on, on being a servant. So he says no to join in council and continues to explore the living force. And if he doesn't do that, we don't get force ghosts. Mm. And there's a lot that that doesn't happen if we don't get force ghosts too. Luke never becomes a Jedi. Where's how does he get trained? How does he eventually get told to go to Dagobah? He doesn't. Like there's there's so much that Great because point. of his dedication to the living force and learning about it that we get because of Qui-Gon. I'll stop for a second. That, that, that's a great point. And isn't it crazy how the people who reject leadership, formal leadership, or the expectations, they reject the expectations and all the baggage that goes with it because it takes them away from being a servant. Are you going to bring up Simon Sinek? No. Oh, okay. Do you know what I'm getting at? I don't think so. Oh, isn't that one of the Simon Sinek things like from way back when he said... He has a Qui-Gon video? No, 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 no. <laughs> he's, he's a motivational speaker, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he says something about... Um, how there are a lot of true leaders who never end up in like leadership positions. Oh yeah, that company. Like it, it, his point being, like he knows so many people who are really leaders that he would follow any day of the week that are not in the position of power. Yeah, his point is like leadership is not something that you achieve. Yeah, and I think I think Qui Gon's a really good example of that because so he rejects that in 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 the plot line of the movie, but look at how revered he is by the fan base of people who kind of hold him up as like this is the jedi this this he's the keystone jedi that holds like the whole bridge together from um the beginning of the story to the end of the story and yeah and so much of it like is just uh through his actions his deeds and the way that he treats others that that like get get that followership going that uh, that's exactly right i mean one of the things that i did in preparation was i thought about about his service we only get him. This is the other thing. We get him for one movie. One movie, and he's gone by the end of it. Mm-hmm. And he's had such an indelible impact on the fa- franchise, on on uh, the storyline of Star Wars, that that one movie cemented him as, again, like I said, the, the savior of it all in the end. Mm-hmm. Like, none of the, a lot of really critical things wouldn't have happened if he didn't do all the things we saw him do in Phantom Menace. Yeah. He's, he's the glue that holds it all together. Truly. So I thought about that in preparation. What were some of the impact that the impacts that he had on the characters? Um, and there's some of the obvious ones. Uh, Anakin, for example, he's the one who believes in him to win the race. He he frees him. He teaches him. Um, and I mean, we don't get to see like the impact that Qui Gon's death really has on Anakin. So I guess for, for my question for you, like, how do you think Anakin coped with that? Uh, that, that that's a really good question. It's got to be quite the blow and and maybe this is where i'll work in something that i was reading about um with george lucas that i think is one of the principles of george lucas's approach to storytelling in general that i think applies here nicely and that is we've discussed before how george lucas has said that there's just something about uh a father and a father in conflict and crisis that needs to be pulled out of that or saved from it some way by the son and or by the kids and i think something that happens here is 
to me, I don't know about you, I always thought of Qui-Gon as like the, the more parental and I guess paternal mm-hmm. of, of the Jedi. Yeah. Like he, he has that stature, but he also has like that warmth and that care that sometimes you don't see like, you know, we meet Yoda and he's kind of hitting Luke over the head with his cane and things like that. But from the very beginning, there's a real likability and a real respect for Qui-Gon. And to me, like I, I, his Padawans, his relationships with uh, all those around him, I see it almost as like a father-son type of relationship. Well, isn't and, that what Filoni said? Like he said, like he was kind of the father figure for for Anakin. He didn't have a father. He's the father for the father figure for Anakin, and so it's got to just be in some way absolutely crushing for him to lose him, even though they haven't known each other all that long. No, they they were kind of like. It was kind of born out of conflict too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they they had their time on Tatooine, which was honestly probably the most um, uh, laid back time that they ever had together. Because as soon as uh, Anakin went with him to back to Coruscant, like they're they're off to, to Naboo and you know engaging in war basically mm-hmm. in in a conflict. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's just uh, he's got to be. It must have been difficult for him, but he doesn't really show it. And I think that's per- because he didn't know him as long, but it is a really big blow to him. He, he doesn't really show it, and um, which is interesting because he, he seems like a character who's kind of boiling over with emotions from the very beginning. But, um, yeah, I think, I think one of the other things that I really like about Qui-Gon is that he doesn't take pride in himself or pride in his own actions or pride in his stature. Like, he really takes pride in like his Padawans and the people around him. Mm-hmm. And he seems to really take pride in Anakin and kind of finding him and bringing him out of the situation that he's in. And that's got to feel really good for a kid who is basically living in Wado's junk shop and right. not, not having the best life that he can possibly have. No. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I guess um, with Anakin... The, the one other thing I thought about was to me I think it's special that when Qui-Gon meets his demise uh, his final words are train the boy like train him that was the last thing that he thought about it was so important that while he's sitting there with Obi-Wan think of all the adventures that we're going to be able to read about some of them soon when those comics are coming out mm-hmm. oh that's um, a good point yeah right think about just all of the the things that he could have said obi-wan like you are your great jedi you you like focus on obi-wan he didn't do that it like you think about like if you're in movies when you see like someone's loved one about to pass away like they're just talking about how much they love them right mm-hmm. right it kind of makes sense in in that moment his mission to serve as the boy's trainer his belief that he is the chosen one was all that he could think about. It was more important than anything else he could have said. And he decided at that moment he needed to impart that wisdom on Obi-Wan before he passed. That was another of his best moments. Like, just just the his dedication so much to um, what he believed in terms of the, the, the idea of the Chosen One and being that consummate Jedi. Like, he wasn't going to let that falter just because he was on his deathbed. And, and that was also his moment, too, I think, of, of that's his way, I think, of telling Obi-Wan he loves him and telling him, mm. you're ready. And you know what? You're ready. You're so ready. It's not about you anymore. It's now about doing what I've been doing with you. 
and you have to go and sort of give selflessly and train this kid up. Yeah. And so like that that's sort of like a little, I think, a pat on the head to him and say, all right, it's your time now. Yeah. But your time isn't about you. Your time, right, exactly. And, and Obi-Wan respects that. I mean, immediately after that, he goes back and takes the, like, earlier in the movie, he's saying, like, I think you should listen to the council. You should listen to the council. He's all about order and he's all about following the rules. And then he goes back right after his death and is like, no, um, you need to listen to Qui-Gon here. Mm-hmm. He, told me to, he told me to do this and that was his last, it was a dying wish. I'm going to see that fulfilled. And by the and here's the other thing. By the end of Obi-Wan's life, he's become Qui-Gon. Yeah. And he's become exactly... He, I think we talked about this in the Obi-Wan uh, episode. Um, he's become the best parts about who he is as Obi-Wan, but also the best parts about Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all because of this impression that he made on him. Yeah. Hey, maybe, maybe we can go back and talk a little bit about Qui-Gon's origin story. Oh yeah, we kind of skipped past that. Yeah, which is okay, and it's something. <laughs> it's something that's not on the big screen. It's something that kind of gets fleshed yeah. out in the novels and in the comic books. Are these novels the can? They're not. Are they canon or what are they? I don't. You know, that's a good question. I don't know. I know some of the comics um, that are referenced or that are bits and pe- that make up bits and pieces of the story are now considered legends in some part. So okay. canon. Mm-hmm. And I saw like one line from Lucasfilm that said something to the effect of. Uh, the parts that are clearly there for comedic effect are considered legends <laughs> and the rest of it and it's like well that's subjective if they make you laugh if it's funny it ain't the real thing i think is what they're trying to say but um, we take star wars seriously yes but um, at the same time all of the prequel or um all of the sequel trilogy is just full of jokes Right. It's like full, chock full of humor. Yeah. Which is, I'm fine with. I'm fine with a little humor. I'm fine <laughs> with it too. Um, but I'll start with this, and I, I don't think that this is... I, I Do you know the origin of the name Qui-Gon Jinn? I don't. I, I don't know if there is a story there that we have access to. But, no, I don't know. Um, so years ago, when I was in college, I took a class that was kind of like a Middle Eastern Studies class, and one of the things that we talked about... You went to college? Was that? You went to college? I did. Wow. I went to um, HVAC school and... Um, I'm only laughing because I know you're making this up. God, <laughs> this is this is what, you, what part is made up. Wait, what? Huh? Huh? Okay. So, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm I'm an educated adult. And <laughs> I'm just messing. Keep I, going. I, I took, so, long story short, I took a class and one of the subjects of one of the classes was the gin. J-I-N-N. Okay. Which is the basis for what we know as genies from the Middle East, which are um, basically, if you think about it, uh, entities who uh, are tremendously powerful, but they don't grant their own wishes. They grant the wishes of others. They help other people live their best lives. So Qui-Gon Jinn is a genie? He's sort of a genie. Yeah. It's not about him. He serves? It's service to others, extraordinary service to others, helping people be extraordinary in their own way, but yeah. they're just sort of in the background. Yeah, he saves your life three times and then he leaves? And then he leaves. And then he says, you can't use one of your wishes to ask for more wishes because that's mm-hmm. cheating. Yeah. Um, Jar Jar's indebted to him then. Yep. Anyway, origin story. As per as per a series of books uh, put out by Scholastic Press called Jedi Apprentice and Star Wars Tales issues <clears throat> 1 through 20. Here's what we know about Qui-Gon's past. Sit back, kids. We are about to be told the story of Qui-Gon Jinn. Buckle up. 
Bring me my Whitland knife. Um, <laughs> all right. So within six months after he was born, he was found to be force sensitive. We think, although it's not clear, we think he was actually born in Coruscant. Yeah, that's not clear. It says it's his home world. Yeah. In the Star Wars book, it says that too. So we think he was born there, but it's, it seems to be where kind of his story starts. Which is interesting that he didn't turn political if that's where he was born. Right. Maybe he was disenchanted by what he saw. Could, it could be. Could be. Um, he was Dooku's apprentice. Yes. Um, that, that we know. That has um, not changed. That's canonized. Yes. Um, but here, here's a couple interesting things that come up throughout his apprenticeship. Actually, I'll, I'm going to jump right to uh, he is a Jedi Knight, and he is on his last kind of, um, I guess, mission with Dooku, which actually takes two years. It's on a two-year-long mission with Dooku. And then they get done, and they come back, and they get back to... Coruscant, and they're going to the temple, and what does Qui-Gon do? But everybody who he sees, who he's not seen in two years, he embraces and hugs them. Hmm. And Dooku admonishes him, because Dooku thinks that Mm -hmm. sincere friendships don't really exist. Mm -hmm. And if anything, they're, uh, they're just sort of impediments to you achieving your uh, your 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 potential. Your potential as a Jedi, or as a as a Force user, as he probably thought of it more. Yeah, because he eventually just mixed the two together. Yep. Um, and so I thought that was like an interesting contrast, and I think I think that's at, at the core of who Qui Gon is is that care and respect for other people. Yeah. And um, some could argue that that's attachment, and maybe that's not a good thing. But anyway, so he becomes a master. And he takes a Padawan, and his second Padawan is somebody named Xanatos. And Xanatos comes from actually a uh, very well-to-do family. He's from a planet where his father is actually the corrupt, sinister monarch on this planet. Mm. And they have to go and do a mission there. And so Master Qui-Gon and his Padawan Xanatos go back to this planet and in the course of this conflict, Qui-Gon actually kills his father. What? To save some other people or whatever it might be, he kills his Padawan's father. What? Yes. Is this canon? Don't know. <laughs> Somebody send us an email. Uh. Um, and Xanatos, that triggers something, and it's sort of like the house of cards falls apart and Xanatos actually falls to the dark side. Makes sense. Yeah. I think I would too. And Qui-Gon says to himself, oh my gosh, I'm never going to take a Padawan again. I can't risk this. I, I just, like, he feels responsible. He's beating himself up and he can't believe it. Um, there's some other interesting stuff that comes along the way there. They actually meet Darth Plagueis. Really? He doesn't know it's Darth Plagueis. Hmm. And so, like, I, I need to go back and read a little bit more about that. Um, Darth plays the wise. The wise, yeah. So, um, anyway, he says, I, you know, I'm, just, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is not my destiny. I should not have a Padawan. I can't believe, you know, he's invested all this time in Xanatos, and he becomes, um, he becomes a Sith. But Yoda takes him aside and says, 
I want you to see this kid. I, I think that you two would be a really good match. And Qui-Gon says, forget it. I'm not interested. Um, and Yoda says, go, go watch this tournament at the temple where you can see some of the younglings kind of duking it out. And, uh, and he's going to be there and just see if you're impressed. This is the same tournament that apparently Qui-Gon had easily won many years before. And Obi-Wan wins this time around. Hmm. And Qui-Gon watches and you know what he says? Hmm. He says, that kid's got a real violent streak. He's got, he's not in control of his emotions. He seems dangerous and he played pretty rough with his friends. I, I don't think he can, I don't think he can cut it. I don't want to train him. Hmm. So he leaves. Um, and so he gets sent on a mission, a solo mission. And he goes to this planet, and who is there except Obi-Wan? And you know what Obi-Wan's doing there? Remember when we were talking uh, about the Jedi Manual? There was the different, yeah. like, the Jedi Corps? So he yeah. was put in the Agricultural Corps, and they basically made him go be a Force-sensitive farmer on this planet. And Qui-Gon's like, what are the odds that we would both kind of end up here? And Yoda had sort of suggested made that, a couple things happen made a couple things happen and also kind of pointed to like hey perhaps this, this is the direction that the force is taking all of us in mm -hmm. and so then ultimately um he decided to pick up obi-wan as a padawan at the age of 13. Hmm. and then so from 13 to 25 when we first meet him in the phantom menace mm -hmm. They're having all these different adventures together that are that are detailed in these Jedi Apprentice books and in Star Wars Tales, the comic book. Interesting. Yeah. And then we get the Phantom Menace. And then we uh, meet Newt Gunray and <laughs> <laughs> Droidicas. Yep. And 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 we just jump right into Naboo, the, the politics and the action right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that, my friends, is the story of Qui Gon Jinn. Yep. How was that? I'm gonna go back. I'm just switching accents every episode on you. That's fine. You're <laughs> just, you're you're many bro hosts in one. You're like a Swiss Army knife of bro hosts. <laughs> I like that thought. Yeah. Um, that I appreciate that background. Actually, I didn't know some of that stuff, so that was actually really really helpful because I didn't. I guess I just didn't get too much into some of the um, non-canon stories. Um, I think it's I, like I've told on this podcast before. I'm not much a reader. Yeah, and, and, and that's okay. But I think they did a good job of sort of, you know, making all that make sense. Like, it's really yeah. lines up. Like, the heartbreak of, like, can you imagine if... Can you imagine Qui-Gon losing his second Padawan to the Dark That's side? awful. Yeah. I don't even want to fathom that. It must be crushing. Like, of course he said, I just can never do this again. Yeah. Um, and then who comes along but the Obi-Wan Kenobi mm -hmm. and he totally rejects him at first and just and part of it is his heart is broken and he's overly sensitive he's, he's overly worried of like gosh I didn't see it in, in Xanatos um, I think I see something in Obi-Wan that I, I don't think is good um, but at the end of the day but that's, a, that's not he's just not trusting himself he's not trusting his own judgment that's his own a bit of, of his own pride there but it's a bit of his own demons something but it's and it in a, vent, in a way, Obi-Wan actually helps him to overcome his own demons, is what that's saying. And, and you, know, you know what I love from the High Republic era that I think applies here? Hmm. Is the, 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 the constant usage of the idea of the Song of the Force. Oh, yeah. People love that with I, uh, Avar Chris. Yeah. I, I love it. And so, I, you know, I, I think 
uh, like a, a Jedi Master like Qui Gon maybe do, doesn't feel like they can hear the song anymore, or yeah. maybe maybe it's like, well, what song is it? I thought mm-hmm. it was this song, and it's not. And it he, he feels like he's out of tune. Um, he's he's out of sync, and he's not trusting his judgment and things like that. And so he him him and Obi Wan come together at I think a very sensitive time for him. Whether or not that's canon, feels like it makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh... I agree with that. I, I'm just thinking too much on the song of the force. The other thing I love that Charles Soule did in that, with, which I think you're you're listening to the book right now, right? Um, the uh, uh, Light of the Jedi. Right? I'm, I'm reading. I actually got the oh, paperback. Reading. Oh, you're actually flipping pages and and uh, licking your fingers just to you know get to the next page and yeah. stuff like. That. You know. You know what I heard the other day. What was that? If you spend more than a dollar on a bookmark. You should have just used a dollar as a bookmark. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> uh, except dollars are dirty. So maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe you just want a clean piece of paper then spend that dollar. But there's some truth to that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that that idea. Um, but maybe it sparkles. You don't know. It could, yeah. That's fair. Bookmarks can be special. GD has a very special bookmark that he rubs all the time. And there's I'm, my good place reference. There it is. You got it in. I haven't I, done it in a while. I have one with um, uh, all different types of North American ducks on it, and it's got a tassel. <laughs> Only you would. <laughs> so, I don't know where that came from, but I've had it for like a hundred years. Barnes and Noble. There's this rack of Baldy's bookmarks. So there's like you know one duck bookmark missing. The rest are just collecting dust. Yep. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Where were we? Um, this is a Star Wars podcast. Yes, we were talking about stuff. But we were. We were talking about you reading that book. And something yeah, that but, I really like that Charles Soule did, not sure where you are in it. Um, you'll eventually get to this if you haven't, is during the uh, the, the crisis on Hetzel. Mm-hmm. Um, they they show they have a, a moment where they kind of talk about all the different ways that the Jedi see the Force. Mm-hmm. Um, Avar sees it as a song. Uh, I think it was Elzar Mann who sees it as like a deep ocean. Uh, uh, was it um, Buryaga who sees it as like the the forests on Kashyyyk and the tall trees and stuff like oh, that? Man. So like, I love um, that. there's like these great analogies that are very peaceful and nature oriented most in most cases that they dive into, which are really cool. So um, anyway, we're talking about Qui Gon. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to do before we moved on from it was I I talked about like impact on um, characters that Qui Gon had. Um, and we've, we've established Obi-Wan enough. We've talked about Anakin. I want to talk about two more real quick. And that is uh, Yoda. Let's start with Yoda. Um, think about this. This is, a, this is a man who is over 900 years old. He's seen it all. He's done it all. Like, there can't be a planet in the galaxy he hasn't seen, right? <laughs> like, he's literally done so much and learned so much about the Force. He's... He knows it all, and, and like everybody knows that. Everybody on the council is like, "This is the guy." Mm-hmm. Like, I have nothing. Com- I'm nothing compared to him, right? Um, and Qui Gon proves that he still has something to learn. Think about that. When when Qui- I think when Qui Gon rejected being on the council, that causes Yoda to reflect on whether or not whether or not the Jedi have lost their way. If he's if he's right. And I think that's when Yoda starts to really open his eyes and see what Qui-Gon sees. Um, and I believe he eventually sees it. Like, we, we know that at, uh, at near the end of the Clone Wars, like, Yoda's starting to see the Shroud of the Dark Side that's 
that's over them all. And he's he's realizing that Qui-Gon was right after all that time. Um, so that wasn't it, though. There's also the fact, like, I, I was watching the um, episode of Clone Wars, which is great, called Voices, right before this one in season six, um, where Qui-Gon basically comes back to him in a, as a voice and starts teaching him like he doesn't know everything yet mm. and by the end of that episode um you know Qui-Gon calls him a friend and and uh and says he's got something to teach him so this guy who didn't who didn't live a tenth the life of Yoda comes back to teach him one last thing how to survive beyond life how to become one with the force the living force specifically um and you know, eventually come back in Lester and I and things like that, and teach it to, to Obi Wan and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I just think like how much of an impact he ended up having on Yoda. I'll pause and see if you have thoughts. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> so. I'm reminded of a line I heard years ago, which I really liked, and it was between um, a, a much older mentor and a, a younger, I think, late high school, early college student. And he said, um, I won't treat you like you're too young if you don't treat me like I'm too old. And mm. I think, so you can kind of get caught up in that of like, how could you have any experience compared to what I have lived through and seen? And something something that I think uh, Qui-Gon does through his actions sort of shakes Yoda out of that. Yeah. And it, it, I would blame Yoda one bit if he sort of jumps to conclusions based on his 900 years of experience. And mm-hmm. he, he sort of snaps him out of that as um, kind of a purist who rejects all the trappings of being part of the council and so on. So I, I think that's a really good point that I've not considered before of how impressive it is that this guy who lives a fraction of the lifespan of Yoda can wake him up to something and, and surprise him and teach him something new and, and all that great stuff. So I dig that. And again, he's the glue. He's what holds it all together in the end. Like, how does anybody else become a Force ghost if it weren't for Qui-Gon? Yeah. Um, one other character, and this might be a little... By the fun. way, do we, ever, do we ever learn precisely how it is that he learns how to be a Force ghost? Voices. Go watch the... Yeah, the, the depths of Voices. Okay. Yeah, Got we it. do. Um, he, he explains it. Um, and I... I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Um, I'll get back to that. Um... But I want to talk about the other character that he has an impact on, and that's Jar Jar Binks. Sure. <laughs> now, first of all, he saves his life. Who is amazing, amazing in the new Batman movie. <laughs> He's so, in every movie that's sorry, in theaters right spoiler. now. Sorry, um, spoiler. <laughs> uh, if, if you haven't watched um, the new uh, Batman Features Jar Jar movie, uh, you might want to pause it here. <laughs> In fact, that's the name it got afterwards because that was the true name of the movie. They just couldn't spoil that. They, did, they just didn't want to give it away. They didn't. Away. Yeah. For good reasons, obvious reasons. You know, that would have just attracted too big of a crowd. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he shows up in the DeLorean next to Christopher Lloyd right. and it's just all over. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd comes back to the future with Jar Jar in the Batman movie. <laughs> I'm just, I gotta go. I'm gonna leave right now. <laughs> this is where I take my bow. Anyway. This is where I take an Advil. <laughs> You're like, it's getting past my bedtime. Um, no, okay. Jar Jar. Yes. He has an impact. First of all, he saves his life once, and then 
you, and then he saves him again right away. Right? So yeah, he's got a life debt to him. He's he's done some some good things to keep him alive. Um, but he's done more than that if you think about it. Like he had, he actually believes in them. I mean, we know that Obi Wan doesn't have any respect for him. He's like, why do I feel like we picked up another useless fight form? And the other useless fight form he's referring to is Jar Jar. Mm. By the way, and Anakin was the other mm. one. Like, he sees something in him. He's a little annoyed by him sometimes. Like, when he's, uh, you know, picking fruit off the table with his tongue. Like, he gets a little bit annoyed about this guy. But I got to think about it. Jar Jar wouldn't have been reaccepted into the Gungans if it weren't for Qui-Gon. And if it weren't for the chances that he gave him and bringing and making him go on this adventure with him and bringing everyone back together, Jar Jar gets the credit for that because he deserves that credit, and it's all because of of Qui Gon. He wouldn't have become a politician, and just to stoke the flames of all of those people out there who believe in this theory, he wouldn't have become a Dark Lord of the Sith if it weren't for Qui Gon. Okay, you that's true. You had to put that in there. I had to throw that in there. But the other things were true. The other yes. things. So, I, I don't know. I just think it was just Qui-Gon, just every character that he came across in one film and how he's able to... We didn't even talk about Padme, the same thing there. Yeah, yeah. So, he's, he he serves others. That, that And it's such a good contrast between the ways that Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon treat Jar Jar and react to Jar Jar. Right. And it just, it, it just goes to show just kind of how... Um, I, think I read this thing um, years ago. A guy wrote a book about... Jane Austen, the writer, yeah, 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 and how much he totally wrote her off, and then years later went back and wrote and read her books, and ended up writing a book about how much he learned about himself by the way he reacted to Jane Austen books when he was younger, and then when he went and read them when he was older, mm. and it's almost like Qui Gon skips to the older, wiser part, and has the presence of mind to kind of accept Jar Jar as he is and help him along. Yeah. Whereas Obi-Wan is annoyed from, like, day one, the very beginning he's kind of had it with him. He's like, who is this bumbling weirdo? <laughs> and, and I bet, I bet if, uh, like, later on Obi-Wan, who was on Tatooine for a decade and watching over Luke Skywalker, ran into Jar Jar for the first time, that version of him... I bet he would have treated him differently. Yeah. I think you're right. Could be. I don't know. He's had an impact on Jar Jar. Big time. Just leave. Uh, you asked about Force Ghost. Do you want to go there next? Sure, sure. Maybe end on... Well, then I've got some questions for you. But okay. I'll just... Um, so Force Ghost. Uh, like I said, I think this is the final best moment of Qui-Gon's life. It is the fact that he learned how to become one with the living Force and to preserve his consciousness through the Force. Um, but first thing I'll say on it is the timing of it is really interesting. And this is what we get out of the Clone Wars. It is at the very end of season six, nearing the end of the Clone Wars, when we get this clip of, of Yoda having these premonitions, this voice that's coming to him while he's meditating. And it's Qui-Gon's voice, you know, Mm -hmm. telling him that he's survived, uh, through the force. And um, it, it was funny because it was right after they they all learned on the council that Dooku was somehow behind the killing of Master Sifo-Dyas and the creation of the clone army. So obviously that means that the dark side must be behind it and behind the whole war. Like the side that they're fighting on, like they, they realize like they've been pawns in the hands of the, the dark side. Um, the Jedi Council 
uh, knew that they were surrounded by the dark side. And suddenly, at that moment, is when Qui-Gon says, this is when I'm going to make myself known to Yoda. At the end of the war, when everything's about to just fall to pieces, Mm -hmm. before it does, I need to get to Yoda, teach him what I know, let him learn how to become the Force so that he can... If he doesn't do that, by the way, he doesn't tell Obi-Wan at the end of Revenge of the Sith to... um, that he's got a little bit of access tra- training for him, mm-hmm. right? So that is very critical that it happens then. But again, the timing of it is just really interesting if you think about like how important. If you didn't do that, then war is over, Empire rules, rules on forever, end of story. Might as well just move on. Written and directed by George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, but in, and then in that episode, uh, um, you know, Yoda eventually goes to Dagobah um, and is able to learn from Qui-Gon and goes into the same cave that Luke did. And, and Qui-Gon's giving him this whole explanation on like how, um, how he's being able to preserve his consciousness and basically explains like, um, so the thought was that the Jedi would become one with the cosmic force, but he was able to find a way to join with the living force mm. specifically, which is something that wasn't believed to be possible, but he figured it out. And then the next episode after that is where Yoda figures it out. So, um, again, this is one of the things that I love about Clone Force is it's like giving us all these things. But if it weren't for all of this experience, like we we wouldn't have the rest of Star Wars. It's really critical that Force goes become what they are. Um, you know, think about it, like luke wouldn't have been able to be trained as a jedi ray wouldn't have been able to be confronted by luke as a forest ghost later on on octu she would just be stuck there and the first order would have won and end of story like that's how critical it is that qui-gon learns to become part of the living force Mm. and that that's the ultimate because the like qui-gon's character to me is like partly defined by the fact that um, it's like the saying people say you're not just raising your kids you're raising your grandkids too because the things you teach your kids are going to be passed on and so on and it's like the ultimate version of um, kind of having extraordinary impact through others yeah and enabling others and it's almost like um, it's almost like Qui-Gon is here to just sort of elevate the uh, abilities and the talents and uniquely highlight what everybody's great at and so on. And that's what brings the different characters to life at the right points and in, in, uh, in different point of the story and different points of the story. It's all of kind of like Qui-Gon's coaching, mentoring, teaching, and guiding. And um, so like that's the ultimate thing is to help them sort of transcend death so that they're available to help the living kind of move this saga forward yeah exactly and hopefully ray learns it so that she can continue it and like this is just something that happens from this point forward yeah uh another mystery that we've learned and, th- and then think of all the other mysteries of the of the force that they haven't learned if they're if yeah. yoda after 900 years is still able to learn yeah. something. yeah we're just staring at each other now like mm-hmm. that was good mm-hmm. i'm full that was, that was, that was a great lot to, it. Yeah. lot to feast on. That was a meal right there. <laughs> um, any other any other thoughts? I'm like getting fresh out of thoughts on Qui-Gon. He's amazing. I love him. <laughs> yeah, to- totally amazing. Um, and, and I think this is a character who I've come back to, and we've talked about this, like different points in my life. So when you're a kid and you see him on TV um, or on the big screen, um, I went back and I looked, and I think he, he was 47, 
47. Liam Neeson was? What's that? Liam Neeson was 47? Yeah. Oh, wow. He's he's 70 this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, I didn't think he was that old. Me neither. But he did seem very fatherly, and, and, and um, I think I kind of looked at him like the way that I looked at most adults that age or most 47-year-olds when I was that age. Um, and, like, just now, like, I'm going back and I'm realizing, wow, at, at different points of my life, I have come to respect and appreciate his character more and more and more and it probably will continue to do so um as as the story kind of expands and ripples out like you'll be able to see qui-gon's fingerprints on all the amazing things that happen in star wars going forward i totally agree you just remind me of one other thing that maybe explains it why i love him so much um i mean when we see him and when we see the moment where uh um you know, Darth Maul, Obi Wan, and Qui Gon are all fighting, and, and eventually gets split up, and then those you know ray shields come down, and they're blocked. So cool! So cool! Really cool! That whole all that fight sequence. What does Qui Gon do when there's a pause in the battle? He sort of just kneels down and meditates, and calmly, very calmly, centers himself and meditates. And then as soon as the action picks back up again, he's up and he's back at it. Back at it, right? I. That is enough right there to tell you what kind of person he is. Mm-hmm. He's focused. He's he, He's got his mind in the right place. Like This fight is just a fight, and it's an important one, and it's important that they eventually win it and get out on the right side of it. At least, you know, Obi-Wan does. <laughs> it still feels like salt in the wound. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he chooses that moment to meditate just tells you everything you know like that's where his mind is that's he cares more about the living force he cares more about what you can learn through the force through meditation and through practice of of uh um you know serving others than doing cool flips and fighting yeah. and stuff like that but yeah and, and you contrast that with maul who's like pacing mm-hmm. he's like snarling a little bit and he's kind of giving into like his emotions of anticipation and he's angry and he is, you know, he's ready to be violent. And um, it's just like such a nice sort of like counterpoint of like Qui-Gon saying, I'm not going to be any of those things. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to sort of bring my energy down and I'm going to park it on the floor right here. Mm-hmm. And I'll be ready once the show comes up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's an awesome, awesome visual. Yeah. Let, let's leave it there. Does that sound good? That sounds good. Okay. Um, what are we going to talk about next time? We are going to go back to the book of Boba Fett, and we're going to talk about some life lessons or some wisdom that we can take away from the series. So we already went, we, we, we went, we covered the show, we reacted to it, but we were talking about how there's some deep stuff there yeah. that we think we can kind of excavate, dig up, and, and really... Excavate. Kind of excavate. Ooh, like S-A-T it. S-A-T word. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> And, and really kind of like learn something from and we've done these kind of life lesson episodes in the past and they're always a lot of fun they are and I think it's it's important to look at some of them in this one just because they're fresh and they were different than some of the life lessons that, that we yeah. typically get um, and that's a sign of good storytelling modern storytelling that's can, able to take something and not just rehash the same I mean we talk about like one of the lessons of Star Wars in general the overarching thing is a theme is always hope and that will never change, should never change, is the thread that runs throughout Star Wars. But it's sprinkling in little lessons along the way that I think are really important. So, um, yeah, we're going to revisit that because it's still on the top of our mind. We don't want to 
lose that while it's fresh. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see what Star Wars has given us throughout the next few months because we're going to be getting some Obi-Wan. We're going to eventually get Andor. The, the Lego game is coming out. The, the like Lego game. Weeks. We'll have a whole thing on that. We've got some High Republic topics to talk oh, about yeah. at some point. Um, and how did I forget? Bad Batch will be coming at some point. We still don't know when. It's coming soon. So we have so much content coming this year that we'll be able to talk about. It'll be nice to just kind of sprinkle in some fun episodes like Qui-Gon tonight and uh, like the the lessons from Book of Boba Fett reflecting back on it now. So should be a fun topic. Indeed. And on that note, um, so we just want to say thank you to everybody who stuck around and listened and, and people who are commenting on the YouTube videos and the Braxton YouTube channel where you can find our episodes and the quick shots that we do where we preview comics that are just about to come out. Um, anybody who sent us emails, publicly shamed, hope you're doing great. Um, Heather, thank you for the chocolates again. I'm still eating them. <laughs> yes, thank you, Heather. Um, at folks who tweet us at Starburst Podcast on, on Twitter, uh, th- thanks everybody for engaging with Kevin us. Kevin Scott for liking our tweets. Yes, thank <laughs> you for that. Um, and, and so uh, we, we always appreciate that. Know that it, it just sort of makes our day whenever you're reaching out to us and checking in and letting us know um, how you feel about whatever we're talking about. And if you ever think, you know, I, I'd love for you guys specifically to talk about this topic. Like, don't hesitate. Let us know. We, we'd love to hear suggestions about yeah. what you want to hear about. So thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking around. Um, thank you for leaving reviews and comments and all that great stuff. It means a lot to us. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. But until then, I think there's one more thing for us to say. There is, well, there's one more thing I want to say before I say that one more oh, thing. two more uh, things. So I, I heard that my uncle, Uncle Ryan Skywalker... <laughs> I'm just having fun with this now. Uh, that he might have listened to us. So, hey, Uncle Ryan, if you did listen, thank you. And let me know what you thought. One now, star. What's that? One star. You'll Love like, Uncle Ryan. He'll <laughs> be like, all right, nephew, let me tell you what I really think. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, please be nice. Um, on that note, though. Well, th- well, thank you, Uncle Ryan, for listening. We appreciate yeah. it very, very much. Yeah. Yeah. There, thank, yes, thank you, if you did. Um and unless you, know you didn't like it in which case um tweet at chris ryan <laughs> <laughs> who is our bro host and also fields all of our complaints again keep giving them reasons to just hate humans and this, humanity and chris this was ben's idea this whole thing was ben's idea. <laughs> oh that's my favorite thing right now and it's like why me when did this happen <laughs> uh Anyway, for everybody listening, that's like, what? For whatever reason, I'm the scapegoat to every one of the mistakes that, you know, anyone makes. Whether it's Jan or the rest of the world, it's my fault. So to, to give to give a tangible example, so like I mentioned, we, we do these awesome quick shot shows where we do a preview of the Star Wars comic books who are coming out that week. Um, and so we, we look at the comic and then we record some audio to kind of go with some visuals that Chris pulls from the comic. He puts some music in. They're really, really cool. If you haven't seen them, go to the Baraxium YouTube channel. They're really cool. I, I made two mistakes in the process of recording my talk track. Two errors that just, you know, Chris had to go and cut out. And Ben got blamed. For <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even anywhere close to your, the vicinity you're in in recording these. I got the blame. Ben didn't read the comic. He <laughs> did not record the talk track. Oh. He had nothing to do with the mistakes that I made. 
which I don't own up to. I think that they're Ben's fault. <laughs> You're in on this now. <laughs> uh, no, that's just full full on bullying. If I pile on, no, I, 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 it's it's an inside joke. Um, I made the mistakes. I own it. Um, but uh, Chris immediately, immediately blamed Ben. Yeah, for and said that I blame Ben. He does. He just like it's Ben's fault. I just know it is. Like whatever went wrong, it's Ben's fault. So you know what. On that note, I'm just going to abruptly go, It's a wrap! <laughs> that, was, that was a little bit crazy. That was a grumpy.